Hello there, Brent Nudis here from the CAPU Department of Athletics and Recreation, and thanks for joining us for Episode 9 of the CAPU Blues Podcast. For this one, we went back to the hardwood and caught up with Luke Wera, the Blues' all-time leading rebounder, who not only spent five seasons in Blues colors, but continues to work in the game as an official. So we'll hear Luke's recollections on his career playing for the Blues and also his work with the Whistle today. Hope you enjoy our conversation with Luke. Let's get in to our next episode. Hello and welcome back to the Capu Blues Podcast. It's episode nine. And today we're catching up with men's basketball alumnus Luke Wera. He's a six foot six guard slash forward who spent five seasons in blues colors. And we are going to get caught up with him today. Luke, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So uh first of all, let's get started off by uh having you give us an update of uh, what you're up to today. Where are we speaking to you from and what's life like for you right now? Um, currently I'm engaged, got nice. a dog, Big news. got an apartment yeah. in the river district and just living the dream, you know, just so fan living. That's awesome. I yeah. uh, appreciate the update and um, congratulations on the engagement. Thank uh, you, that thank may come you. up again later in the show, but there's a bit of a basketball connection there too. Um, so yeah, appreciate the update. And now, uh, as we set the scene for your, for your hoops background, maybe you could just start us off by talking about, uh, growing up, you know, where that took place and what kind of a role sports played in your youth, uh, growing up and uh, where, where that took place. Yeah. Um, grew up in South Vancouver by, uh, Champlain, Killarney area, uh, elementary school cook which pretty much started my basketball journey. I know uh, in grade seven, I think they had a teacher strike, which ended not, we didn't get to have a season, but the coach at that time decided that every Friday, it was like our special one or two hours. He would come in, open the gym, and we'd just go through drills and just play. And that's really where it started. Some of the life lessons, some of the, not knowing back then, but if I reflect now, like some of the teachings that he told us about like hard work and consistency and perse- perseverance, you know, being a, what, how old are you in grade seven? Like a 10 year old, 11 year old. Yeah. You don't understand what that actually means until you maybe grow a little bit older. So that's where my basketball journey started outdoor playing a lot, a lot of playing bump, or uh, American 21. Right. And then went to Killarney for secondary school. And then, yeah, every year after that, I was just in the gym, just playing. I know grade eight and nine, I didn't really know what basketball really was until really grade 10 is when I was okay. Like, I went to some, I went to some camps when I was in grade eight and nine, but grade 10 is actually when I first understood what basketball was and it all really stemmed from going to a basketball camp called with drive where Pasha and Chad right. and Jordan Mason. Yeah, you know, some of those like big time BC legends. Age, so yeah. 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 So they that those are the individuals who really I think taught me what basketball was. Just listening to like Pasha's stories on about 
like him waking up in the morning and getting like X amount of shots up and whatnot. It kind of really inspired me to do the same. And in grade 10, it was every morning, just wake up, get, get your hundred, whatever shots by yourself, just five spots, shoot the ball, run after it, run back, spin into yourself, do it again. Right. If it was just dribbling drills or whatnot, I was like, that was, that was really the, pivotal point where I thought like that's this is where I'm taking off with basketball ever since then it's been like one of those grind in grind out type of love for the sport right love for the journey that's a great reflection and uh you know I often hear that in basketball somebody gets a connection with a teacher that has a key to the gym and somebody went out of their way even though there was a teacher strike wanted to make sure kids had an opportunity I don't know if you remember the name but maybe you can give a shout out to your, your elementary school teacher yeah I don't I don't remember I remember it was I think it, he wasn't even the teacher. I think he was a husband of the principal and he just, they just love basketball. And he just, I think it was okay. Mr. Osborne, we've called him. And he just, out of his own time, yeah. like a, re- a retiree, he just opened the gym just to have a bunch of kid, kids if you want to come in and just play, right? And obviously it was fun. We all, like there's a group of us that did every Friday and we would dedicate like an hour or two after everyone went home and just, just playing right yeah so yeah i know i appreciate you reflecting on that and that's uh obviously that's where things the seed was planted and then you got around some some pretty influential guys like you said chad clifford and pastor baines and jordan mason who ran drive and i think i guess still do um basketball academy it sounds like grade 10 is when you started thinking that basketball could be could be on the radar for you as something to pursue in in the future beyond it beyond high school is that kind of Fair yeah, that's 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 when I started realizing, okay, like I got exposed to these stories. I got surrounded by very talented basketball players, and like at this drive camp too, there was a strength and conditioning component as well, by uh, ran by Isaac Payne, which he ended up having his own gym out in Richmond, and we also connected many years after as well after high school. So it was just like the whole component of that strength and conditioning and all the basketball teaching, it was just like, this is like, I've never been exposed to this. Like, it just, it drove me to want to become as good at, as I possibly could at the sport, right? And, but just he, and hearing stories of like, these top elite players, I, I know you go to the UBC as a kid, watching them play at, at the SFU UBC games, and you've seen these guys tell stories of like, every morning I would go and do X, amount of work I was kind of like hey man like this is kind of like flip the switch really this is what you gotta do if you really want to get better right there's no shortcuts there's no shortcuts to the top so it just yeah. yeah it was just like I said I was I've been very fortunate to be throughout my life to run into influential people that have placed like these seeds that you said on me and I and I just I just ran with it right so yeah do you remember what your game was like in grade 10, grade 11? You're a pretty tall, lanky guy, I think, from some of the yeah, photos. So I've no seen. threes. I had no three. Pa- I had a zero three package. It was all slash and go to the hoop, right? Yeah. yeah. My, which is, this is like, if I say triple threat nowadays, I don't think kids understand what triple threat is. Does everyone tend, like the games has changed to dribble, 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 right? Like you see very seldom, like someone square up and try that. It was just a lot of footwork and just fundamentally sound, just not doing anything flashy it's just effective 
you know, just get to the hoop effective slash. I don't think in grade 10, I even had a pull-up. That pull-up came later as I got older. I started developing more of a pull-up game, right? Catch and shoot. Catch and shoot was always my bread and butter. But yeah, so it's just not even thinking about it. It's like my game has changed drastically because I know at cap, I, I tend, I was, by grade 12, I was shooting more threes. But right mm-hmm. in grade 10, there was like zero three-point attempts. All right, I scored 42 points. I remember one game, all off the layups and going to the hoop. No three-point attempts. Unheard of nowadays. Yeah. Mid-range. <laughs> they used to call me the mid-range specialist. If I had a jumper, it was mid-range or to the hoop. Nice. Yeah. Hey, before we go on, and this is not a visual medium, but I got to give you a shout out for your Zoom background. You got uh, the Vancouver Grizzlies hardwood behind you, and I'm guessing that's the Memphis floor, but they put in the Grizzlies retro uh, hardwood behind you there. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's you know, even like growing up, like I was fortunate that like we were fortunate to have an NBA team, and I know my dad was a basketball fan. I think he's he's more of a soccer fan, but he's he he loves basketball too. And we got to watch some legends. Like I saw Michael Jordan here when he had wow. that, that his, what was it, like 12 points and whatever at the end of 20 points and the, the fourth. Right? Derek Martin talked yeah. trash to him and he came off the bench. Yeah, one, yeah, one yeah. I was at that game without even knowing what was happening. You know, I was yeah. just so excited to see my idol play, right? Yeah. I saw Charles Barkley when he was in Phoenix. I saw Shaq when he was in Orlando with, I think, Penny at the time. Yeah. Uh, Patrick with the Knicks. So, like, yeah, I got to see some legends without even knowing what I was watching as a kid, right? Right. So, just, yeah, like I said, I, I, I think Michael Jordan had, had during my era was that effect of like rubbing off and be like Mike. Yeah. 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 So, like, see, I think that compounded with like grade seven, compounded with Pasha, I just all just like we're just layered, layered upon a layered, and just kind of like basketball has been a really big part of my life. Hey, hope you're enjoying the podcast. And if you are, remember to rate us on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. And please recommend us to anybody you think might be interested in the CapU Blues podcast. Thanks so much for listening. And so bringing it back to the high school scene, you you wind up going to Killarney yep. High School. Uh, who's the senior boys coach at Killarney in those years and what kind of influence there? Um, it was Tom Tagami. Funny, you, I know you interviewed Alice Pappas. I, I went to high school with Alice Pappas. Played, right. Yes, our played, second Killarney guest. That's yeah, right. Yeah, played basketball with Alice Pappas. Um, he was more of a volleyball guy for sure. You saw that where his love was, but he still, he still plays. Like, he was actively involved with us or open gyms or whatnot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's just trying to reflect back on those years. Ted, Ted was hard, hard on you, but he was in a sense of not just to yell, just to yell at you, but to push you to become better than what you thought you were capable of doing. If that makes sense. Sure. All right. Yeah. Um, he was very passionate about the game. Like he also looking back just talked about becoming a leader and being a leader and then that people look up to you without me even knowing that people looked up to me because I know when we were doing the morning sessions it came to a point where I started by myself and then all of a sudden someone saw me doing it and they joined in and it ended up us having on my grade 12 year like five of us in the morning 
on rotation, there's some days where it's three, some days where it's five, some days where it's six, right? But those younger grades that were coming in and we were doing like full fill sessions right before class. So we were doing like a dribble drive, penny kick fill sequence, right? Or we're doing a two ball handling sequence or we're doing partner shooting sequences and not really knowing what I was doing. I was leading those sessions, right? Yeah. Like ideally, like I was just thinking about myself and get better by not knowing that I was influencing the undergrades right. to be doing what I'm doing, right? Yeah. So you would, yeah, so you would say yeah. stuff like this to me and like, again, 17-year-old kid being like, what are you talking about, Tag? Like, I'm not no leader. Like, I'm just mm -hmm. playing basketball, right? So, yeah. So, yeah, there was, there was a couple of times where he, he got into me, like, rightfully so at a game where I just had a poor performance. My attitude just wasn't very good. And he, and he told me, he told me accountable for my attitude. Right. Yeah. And that, obviously at the time you're sitting there and you're just like, Oh, like what, what does this guy know? Right. Like, <laughs> like, do, do you know, but then when you come home and you sit and reflect, and I was like, yeah, he's right. I went out. I, I, and the next day I came up to him. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, you're totally right. Like I need to be better. Right. Yeah. And then we had a conversation and we just went forward with it. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so he was an influence on you in grade 11 and 12. Sounds like were were good uh, growth years for you as a player. What kind of success did the team have in the lower mainland there? Um, grade 11, we made provincials. And I think we went two and two that year in provincials. It is back when the provincials were hosted at the Agrodome. So it was right. like one game a day type of thing. Yep. Uh, grade 12, we were one spot away, which really stung because the night before the night before i remember we played scm yeah and this i think aaron aaron mitchell was coaching yep yeah inspiration and, for this podcast by the way shout out for hoops journey aaron mitchell and i i remember i i had a game i had a game and i remember him games really like i've met him through drive as well so we kind of knew each other we have that connection and i remember i was having a game i was hitting shooting really well first half we were up 12 and a half i remember him throwing the clipboard on the ground and then <laughs> turned to tag tag turns to me and we're like, he gave me the look like we got him like we got him. We, we got this one right we, we, we might be able to pull this out second half comes they they change their whole defensive scheme they're going to two three zone pretty much everywhere i go is a man-to-man -man two three zone and i'm just like it took me out of the game essentially and we ended up losing by seven Seven or oh. six, right? Yeah. Next, next game, we play Burnaby South, which we split with them throughout the year. And, yeah, we ended up losing that game by eight or something, too. And then, funny story, that game happens, too. And this is credit to Tate's character as well. Head coach gets a technical early in the game of Burn from Burnaby South. And this is me talking to the ref, and I know the rules now. Back then, <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. He gets a second technical foul. So he's out. Like two head coach that's he's out. Yeah. And his assistant, I think, came late to the game and he didn't put his assistant onto the score sheet. Ah. So by rule, right? Yeah. It's a default. Like they should have lost, right? But mm -hmm. Ted on being the honorary person that he is, like he had integrity, played the game out. We end up losing and he didn't he didn't push the rule. Nothing. He said, "You beat us fair and square on the court, right?" Yeah. And we're gonna leave it as that. Huh. Yeah. So I. A funny thing is, I ran into that Burnaby head 
coach, Bernie South head coach. I forgot his name. I, I see his face. I'm really bad. Mike Bell? <laughs> no, no, no. This is before Mike Bell's time. I remember running into him at Provincials, and he's kind of like, I kind of looked at him, he kind of looked at me, he's like, did you go to Arnie? He's like, yeah, yeah, we tried to stay and talk to him, and I'm just like, oh my God, you're the coach that got thrown off the game, and the guy should have lost. He started laughing, and said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, but Ted, Ted, Ted was honorary, he said, no, you beat us by, on the floor, and we're going we're gonna to hold that to that. So that was like, again, another life lesson by a kid, like an individual holding to, the standards and being like fair and whatnot, right? There's a lot, I feel like a lot of people nowadays would push that envelope and then use the rule in their favor instead of, you know, doing what morally is the right thing to do. It's being like, we lost in the 40 minutes and we're not going to use the technicality to advance into the provincials, whereas by rule, right, the game would have been default, right? Right. So... Wow, what a, what a what an experience in high school there, and um, some formative experiences, obviously. Yeah. Um, so you're through grade eleven, grade twelve. It sounds like you know post secondary basketball was definitely on your radar. Um, what was your awareness of the program at uh, at Cap U at the time? Did you know much about? I guess it was the BCCAA still at the time you were finishing up high school. Um, did you know much about the the teams and the in the league at that time? Uh, honestly, I didn't really know much. I just knew I wanted to go play post-secondary and anywhere, any spot where it was a position where I had an opportunity to play, I just wanted to go. Yeah. Right. So, um, <laughs> no, you want, I don't know. If, I haven't told many people this story. Some people know this story that know me. Like, originally out of high school, I was supposed to go to Langara. Okay. Yeah. So I was committed there. Did the whole spring late stuff. And in the off season, I, when I started reflecting back on what happened to me, I knew I didn't put enough time as a basketball player to get better. I, my concern was more so I wanted to put weight on the weight room, just a faster, stronger players. So I was, getting, I was a buck 70, six, five <laughs> coming out of high school, right? Like I'm like, I was a buck 70 kid and I, from East Van to hold up in against in the league full of men, right? Yeah. So got got to uh, the tryouts and I got cut. And wow. I was like, I was like, wait, what? Like I thought I was on the team, right? But like mm-hmm. there was email sent throughout the summer saying your positions aren't guaranteed. You have to put in the work. And I was like, I knowing deep down inside, I know I didn't put in the right amount of work but like I put in work but not to the level that the expectation was right so those there was a wake up call being like hey like if you want to do this you actually have to commit yourself to doing it right so I was enrolled in classes did the classes at one semester didn't do very well and then I had a decision to make is do I continue down this path of that basketball or do I just move on with my life right at that time Tasha and Isaac opened up a uh, a gym out in Richmond called Drive Fitness where they had like a half court and like a weight room right the commercial gym plus a half court so I reached I went over there checked out the facility reached out to them I was like hey like 
I want to start training. I want to do whatnot. So I would start. It got to a point where Pasha asked me, hey, like, this is at a time I think he was finishing up at university and he was trying to pursue a, a overseas contract. So he's like, I need a shooting partner. Do you want to come in every morning and shoot me? And I was like, yes, like, absolutely, right? <laughs> like, you'd be stupid to say no, right? Yeah. So we came on, I think, what was it, for, from like January to like, to the summer, like it was every morning. This was my routine. I would get up, catch the bus, get picked up at 49th and uh, Granville. Sasha would pick me up. We'd drive over to drive fitness. Me and him would shoot. We the People would come in with us. So sometimes we had three people. We would shoot for about two hours, two and a half hours. I would hop back on the bus, go home, eat, take a nap, take the bus back to drive fitness, do an hour workout. And then work in the gym and on the weekends, doing my basketball skills and whatnot to offset the cost of training. Right. Right. So, so the, I would not pay for anything, but I would trade in my, uh, my, uh, my labor and whatnot, time coaching, cleaning the gym, closing the gym, do, coaching on the weekends, whatnot, whatever they had programs running in turn to do that. So that from January, from January all the way to the summer, was, that was my routine every single day. I just surely went into like a hermit mode. I like turned myself off from the world. I was like, this is what I'm doing. From Monday to Friday, we're training. Saturday, we're doing skills. Sunday, we have off. It was just rinse and repeat. Wow. Right? Yeah. So your first year out of high school, you never actually played like you did that oh. semester at Langare where you didn't play and then took the spring and summer to train. And yeah. so going into that, two years out of high school now that or your second year out of high school that you yeah. got hooked up with, uh, I guess it was Ebes. I mean, it's yeah, I think Pasha called, Pasha called Ebes and say, like, I've been shooting with this guy, like when's your ID camp up or they had a conversation. He called me, passed, relayed the information. I went to the ID camp. I, obviously I did well. Ebes is like, Hey, like join our spring summer training program. I'm like, sure made the roster cuts after that and then the two i think 2008 was my first season and then right. yeah so i was a year out coming yeah. in as a fresh uh a freshman i think yeah what a journey just to get to that first uh college college season yeah so and then i was like reflecting i'm like it came back to a lot of these i think lessons you learned like resilience and whatnot i even knew you didn't even know as a kid like it's being taught to you from all these different mentors, coaches, or whatnot, right? Like I had a decision to make, like I either put my, go all in and train and try and make this happen, or I just move on with my life. Right. Yeah. And I just knew, I knew inside, like I wanted to put in the work to see if, uh, if I can make this happen. Right. So. Yeah. What a great story. I, I had no idea, obviously what, what it took for you to get to, to cap originally. And, the trials and tribulations and training with Pasha Baines, that guy was, was such a big deal. Uh, he's a year older than me. I played in high school and uh, he was uh, such a big deal in, in BC high school basketball. And they won the national, the provincials, uh, my grade 11 year. Um, but yeah, one of the best ever to come out of the province and you were working with him every day through that spring and summer to get ready. Yeah. And I had no idea, but uh, appreciate you sharing the story. 
Um, so you land at Cap, I guess. Now this is the fall of 2008. Uh, coach Paul Eberhardt is uh, the head coach at Cap at the time. You made the team. What are your What are your memories of that first season? Who Who are some of the guys on the team that you remember? Uh, I don't know if they were people you'd competed against in the club or high school scene, but what what were what were your memories of that team, and what do you think the expectations were for you guys that your first year at Cap? Uh, I know his Eve's recruiting class that year was very high. Like we started the season super super high. Like I think we started ranked fifth or third in the season mm-hmm. in the in the country, and then like we have a it was pretty much a year of a lot of first years with coupled with a little bit of second years and yeah like we obviously in the in the preseason early rankings we thought we were for a better lack of turn our shit don't stink but okay. oh, yeah but over the course of the season there was a very up and down and a steady steady decline to a point where i don't think we even made provincials and we were hosting that year oh man yeah, so sitting in the gym and watching that, like, that was not a good feeling, you know? Like, yeah, like, you're hosting and you don't even make provincials, right? Like, we had a lot of talent on that team. It just, I don't think we just meshed together. And, like, we there was there was definitely got together. Like, we liked each other. It just, we didn't, as a unit on the court, didn't somehow come together. Like, I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I, I still can't pinpoint what it was. Hence, probably why I'm not a coach. <laughs> but yeah, it was just yeah, like we had stars. We had Dimitri Harris coming out of Britannia. I think he just won a provincial championship at that time. We had Connor Lewis. I think he's lost to lost to Dimitri in the finals. What was that? The double A or triple A at that time? Okay. And yeah, it was, Connor Lewis went on to play at SFU and a very successful career there. So like we we had pieces. We had. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Sean Ashkenazi, which we stayed together for three years. But looking mm-hmm. back, that poor group in that first year, we stayed together for three years, and our relationships really grew and fostered at the end. By the third year, I think we were we had a solid group, and then added other pieces. And yeah, I think by year three with that group, like we were playing the where we should have been playing, right? Yeah. So. Now the other thing about your career at Cap is you played for three different head coaches. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know if Eves in that initial re- recruiting class that you were a part of. I'm not sure if he was still there by the time that third season you were talking about came around. No, no, Eves. I only played for one year, and then he stepped away. I don't think that was his plan. I don't know what what happened. I just he stepped away after that one year, and I think he took some time off before. Yeah, he'd been the head coach for ten years, and I'm not sure. Yeah, what happened yeah, I either, think he might have yeah. been more those maybe step away type of times I'm not sure completely what was going through his head or what decisions he made but you saw he stepped away and coached for a couple of years after that before coming to Langero and then having the success he has there right yeah yeah so then after Ebes was played for Jordan U uh, right young head coach young head coach graduated from UBC he actually had ties playing at Cap, right? He went from right. Cap to UBC, and then I think he was an assistant under Kevin at the time at UBC, and then he came over here and yeah, played for him for three years, and then he decided that 
life is taking him somewhere else and he stepped away as well and then now he's having these up in Prince George. And here comes and Killarney again. Yeah, yeah. Up in Prince George. Yeah. No, no, I mentioned Killarney again because Dwayne Selby became your third head coach. Yes, yes. Yeah, what if, yeah. I, I I never knew Dwayne. I think Dwayne's significantly older. Never. I he's know. He's like my age. I think I yeah. remember that name from my yeah. high school years. Yeah, he was at Killarney those days, I think. Yeah, yeah. I then played that last year with for Dwayne, and then had some hoop dreams trying to go overseas, but just to have dual citizenship. But I was like one foot in, one foot out, and I decided, hey, like it's too much to risk to actually try to pursue this. I said, like, let's just build a life, keep building what I've been building on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I made that decision just to be like. Yeah, like as much as I wanted to play overseas, I'm just like, A, I, don't, I didn't think I was good enough, and B, just too much unknown, All right, So I was like, yeah, I don't want to take that risk, so. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to glaze over uh, or just skip over your um, your Capu Blues career because uh, anyone that's looked in the record books knows you are the all-time leading rebounder in Blues history, uh, 405 boards. You are now third in uh, Blues scoring all time. You were just passed this year by uh, Martin Bogaev. Um, so uh, you had been second coming into this year. Marty passed you. Um, but yeah, like way up at the top in the, in all-time Blues records. So um, talk about yourself a little bit. Uh, I know you tend to be humble and not want to hype up what kind of a player you were. But I mean, you put in five seasons. You obviously got into a lot of games, played a lot of minutes. Um, I think you talked about that third year uh, at cap as being kind of the time when that recruiting class had really come together and your relationships were strong. I think that was your best finish at, at provincials. You got onto the podium with a bronze, I think the 10, 11 season. I don't know if that stands out to you or yeah, yeah. how that season went or how the provincials went, but maybe just talk about the going down the stretch, driving to the playoffs in that 10, 11 season. Uh, yeah, that was, I was, again, looking back, I really wish that I had the resources of talking to a sports psychologist because, no, game of basketball is very much so a mental game, right? There's a lot of ups and downs. And I feel like a lot of times athletes think that they should just be focused on training, like, their bodies, but they don't really train their minds, right? Mm-hmm. So that season, like, we had a lot of success that season, but also with within me, I know there was a lot of ups and downs, which is throughout throughout the whole season there's gonna be ups and downs, right? Right. And I, and I just felt like as a player, I never found that balance of how if starts stuff starts going down, how to prevent the dam from breaking and leaking, if that made sense, right? Yeah. I, yeah, there was a lot of situations throughout the year where it kind of I would spiral out and not be able to catch myself from the stop stopping myself from spiraling out. Right. And I'm Jordan, you like, he like, God bless his heart. Like I, I know I wasn't the best, easiest person to deal with, but he really did a lot for me. Like we, same with Chris Upward. I don't know if you know that name, like he was yeah. assistant yeah. coach. Yeah. We always called off, off daddy. Cause like, <laughs> again, again, like he was teaching us a lot of stuff that, Back then, I was like, what you say? Like, I remember we would have, like, 
a yoga session and after having a talk and he's, he's like, enjoy the journey. It's not about the destination. I'm like, Chris, what are you talking about? It's, it's always about the destination. We're here to win a championship, right? That's, that's, that's all it is. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, like, and it took me a lot of years after my playing games to understand what that actually meant to actually enjoy the process, enjoy the time you spend with the people around you, enjoy the hardships. Right. Because at the end of the day, like no one's going to remember most of the, unless you open up the record books, who won a championship in 1989, right? Who was the MVP in 1989, right? Like, but all the life lessons you've learned along the way, like with our core group, like with Sean, Connor, Mahana, uh, Glenn, um, Graven Guard was there, Mike Zayons. And I want to attribute to Mike, like, the reason I'm at number one of a rebounding is because of Mike. Because, like, honestly, like, I didn't have to really battle and hold off the big dude. Like that was Mike's responsibility. Mike was such a workhorse that he would put his head down and bang with the big guys. And me being who I am, I just look at the flight of the ball and just be like, okay, I'm going to position myself here because this is most likely where the ball is going to go. So if you shoot a corner three, the most likely spot, if you miss, will be on the opposite side of the rebound, right? So if someone shoots a corner three, I, I wouldn't – necessarily try to brute force my way into that spot with the big guy. I would just find the nearest body and position myself in a position where I can get the ball. So a lot of times Mike was holding off the strong dudes and I was just sweeping in and cleaning up the rebound and going the other way. So like, like we, I ran into Mike, I mean, a couple of years, I think three years before COVID, we went down to, uh, where is he now? He's down in the Silicon Valley and now, yeah, Silicon Valley in San Francisco. And was like, we had a beer and we laughed and like, I, I he's like, Luke, like, how are you number one in rebound? And I was like, because of you, bro. <laughs> like, that's the only reason why. He's like, I'm really jealous about that. I'm like, I'm like, Mike, man, you did all the work, man. And, and I got the credit for it. So I'm like, I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> Hey, well, like I said, I think you're way up there in all-time games played, right? You got to be in the game to get the boards, and it's uh, it's uh, noble of you to shout out Mike Zayance for uh, the hard work under the boards. But um, you know, he's way up there in some of the all-time records too. Put in a lot of work like you did. Um, but yeah, it's your name at the top, and it's uh, it's big of you to give him so much credit in that. And uh, so shout out to Mike Zayance. Uh, maybe we'll catch up with him down the line too. I don't know. Um, wanted to, uh, wanted to ask you how your career progressed. I think you played four seasons after you got underway and then was it an off year or an injury. Cause I think it took you six seasons to play your yeah. five. Is that right? Yeah, it was an off season. I decided to take some time away after organizing some things in my life. I was debating, do I move on and try to get to college? I was trying to work and save up some money and whatnot. So I decided it was best that I took a step back and kind of really evaluated where I was in my life. Mm-hmm. And then I decided, Hey man, like, I don't want this one year left lingering over my head. You know, you know the what ifs when you're like 32, 33 right now, I'd be like, what yeah. if I can come back and still play for a year? Cause I know Denise, she only played three years. She has two years and she's still very actively playing. She's still a very good player. I'm just, and she always like, oh, what if I go back to Nigeria? Right. And I never wanted that. What is I always wanted to close that chapter as my move on with my life. Enjoy, enjoy the memories I had, but not have that thing holding myself over my head. Right. So took the year off, 
work, trying to dot, dot my dots in the line. I was like, okay, like, let's just do one more hurrah, just go for it, and then finish off that chapter in my life. Yeah, well, now you mentioned uh, Denise. Shout out to Denise Buseyong from uh, from Langara. We we crossed paths. Uh, she was an administrator in their athletics department a couple of years ago when I was getting started at CAP and worked with her a little bit. And I know she was an assistant coach this past year. So uh, that's your fiance. And uh, congratulations. Fiance. We'd circle back around to the engagement. But um, yeah, it's a bit of a hoops connection there too. Yeah. So I, yeah, I've been very fortunate with what Basel's given to my life, like the friendships that I made, the memories, the life lessons. Found a partner through basketball. So yeah. Shooting somebody, somebody rebound for you. (laughs) It's more so the other way around, but yeah, yeah. exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Hey, that doesn't hurt. Um, so yeah. So anyways, you took the year off, came back, finished up, played your final year, I guess it was 2013, 14, your last year. Mm -hmm. Um, that was under Dwayne Selby as head coach, I believe. And I'm not sure how much success you guys had, but, uh, that was, you know, you took a year to get, you know, you're two years out of high school before you played your first season. You had that uh, year where you stepped away. And then that final year where you were a mature seasoned individual in that last year, I guess, kind of looked up to as a leader on the team. Is that how you recall your role? Um, a little bit of that I was also trying to find myself in that year. If that kind of made sense. Like pers- it, was a, it was more so of a personal growth year for myself. I was, yes, I was maybe the more, quote-unquote leader from the group right but yeah yeah that last year like it was a lot of self-growth for me because living on my own I'm a student athlete you know trying to find ways to make extra cash while still be making time to play basketball like there's a lot going on that year right for me personally so yeah, it was, it was that was a tough year. It was a tough year, but I think going through that hardships like really made really got what I was able to get to where I am today because of that year. If that made sense, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, glad you finished off your career, used up all your eligibility, <laughs> and uh, yeah, no question, no questions were left behind, right? So, yeah. Um, and we got to at some point get to the talking about your second act in basketball, which is not on the sidelines as a head coach and not as an administrator, but, uh, but with the whistle strapped around your neck, you uh, have made the transition to being, uh, being an official. And I wanted you, I wanted you to talk about how that idea got in your head. And, and obviously you, you know, it was a seed that was planted and you picked it up and run with it. So how did that transition happen? Yeah, like thinking back, I know, like I mentioned earlier, like I was doing some coaching, right? I was doing skills development for for drive, and then I think all ball. I did a little bit, I did some stuff with Ryan Leonarduzzi, the previous. I think. Yeah, I used to work in the athletics department. Yeah, yeah. department. So like I've been training and doing basketball stuff, and I know my last year at Cap. Again, trying to find some money. This opportunity presented itself. They had a men's league, right? And then they're like, hey, you play basketball, so you must know how to ref, right? So I was like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course it go hand in hand, right? So yeah. at, uh, so after practices, like twice or three times a week, late night was 
I put a whistle around my neck, had my bas- had some running shorts on, had my basketball shoes on, and I was going to work two, two or three games at the night just to make some extra cash, right? So yeah. that's really where wrestling started. And then it didn't really go off until a year after I finished playing. I was playing the men's league. And then me being who I am, I was always not questioning, but asking questions to the refs or like about plays. Like, what you see here? I'm like, how is that a foul? He was legal. This not knowing being a previous player to a point where the refs say, hey, like, do you ever consider doing this like for like high school stuff? Like, give this guy a shout, shout out. Like, give gave me the allocator's number at the time. Was to give him a call. They're starting training right now. Like, see if you can go give a shout. But hey, man, okay, sure, I'll do it. Why not? Why not? Right? Yeah. And then I start, I did the training class. It was like it was two components that you would do. One one time a week, you go over the rules, and the next time you do on-court stuff so you kind of learn your mechanics your positioning how to report fouls how to blow the whistle like the basic stuff and then they just put you out the games and i remember i was doing games like my first year like it was monday to friday some days almost every day was two games if not three games a day I just like i fell in love with it right yeah and then full circles repping uh bc st george's junior boys game and Karn Dillon, yes, game, legend. Uh, yes, legend, had the game after me. And he's standing there watching me, right? He's like, oh, like, obviously, Karn's repping me at the Pac West level. It's a funny story between Karn and I, where on a rebound, I used to do the hook grab on the rebounds, like the old man, yeah, hook grab, clinch, drag, push, whatnot. Karn, that's how you got uh, the 400 rebounds. Yes, that's another way how I got to those rebounds. It wasn't it wasn't athleticism. It was all the little other <laughs> stuff underneath the hoop. Um, yeah, so he goes, Luke, who taught you how to clinch like that underneath the hoop, right? Was that Tom Tigami? And without hesitation, I'm like, yes, right? <laughs> and he started, la- he started laughing. He said, well, don't do it again. I said, okay, Karn, I won't do it again. The very next play, I do the same thing. I clinch. He calls a foul on me. I looked at him. And I'm like, come on, man. He's like, I, he's like, he looks at me. He's like, I just told you not to do it. I'm just like, oh, man, I'm waiting to love you. Like, just be, be me trying to push boundaries to see, like, okay, like, he told me not to do it, but let's see if he actually calls me on it, right? And he, Karn's not going to hesitate not to call you on it, right? So, and then he ran into Tom like a couple of years after that and told his story and they both started laughing. So, yeah. So then Karn, coming back to the actual story, Karn saw me ref and we had a good chat in the locker room prior to his game after my game. And yeah, I, I actually stepped away from refereeing after that year just because of, I'm like, I was, there's so much of it. I kind of need some time for myself and never, and this is, I think this is at the point where I was half in, half out, trying to maybe go overseas, maybe not. I was just trying to, like, again, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. Mm-hmm. And I, I decided, hey, maybe this year I'm not going to referee, which I think in that year I met Denise when I wasn't refereeing. 
and then she's and then she's obviously still involved in basketball and then she went to she was playing at Dolphin Park and I just came out to watch right I'm just watching and I ra- and ran into Karn and Karn's like hey I didn't see a referee this year I said no I didn't a referee this year I don't, I don't know if I want to keep doing this he's like you should come back and he's like does someone like with your abilities should be referee and I was like again the seat in my head I'm like I'm I don't know. We'll see. I'll, I'll turn and I'll get back to you. Right. And then that summer, I just sat there thinking about it and it's like, you know what, maybe, maybe I will give this another try. And then after that year, it just, it just went off. Like I just went up an upward swing. Right. So again, really thankful to having people in my life to really guide me in the right direction where I thought like, again, he saw something in me before I saw it in myself. You know what I mean? So Shout out to Karn. Yes. Yeah. Anyone that's an official in BC is uh cross paths, so very influential. And I appreciate the story as well. Um so how many seasons is that now with uh refereeing? Just finished my sixth official season. Okay. And uh, what kind of levels are you working? I know you've come through the Capview gym from time to time. Yeah. Are are you working at the U Sports level? Like, yeah, you... so it's high school, uh the CCA and the U Sports level. So I just Finished my second season in youth sports, third season uh, Pac West. What's uh, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, what's what do you think? Some of the biggest games you've worked. Mm, uh, recently, I did the CCA Women's Nationals out in uh, uh, Nanaimo. Oh, yeah. Yep. At VIU, those those games were really fun. The biggest loud. The loudest gym I've ever been to in my life where I can even hear myself think was this year at the provincials when uh, at CBC when VIU played Okanagan College, the women's in the final. That gym was so loud. Like, yeah. like it, was, it was unbearably loud to the point where I couldn't even think straight. Like I was trying to communicate with my partners. So I'm sitting there yelling. And they, I'm like, and they can't see me. I'm like waving to them, trying to like communicate with them something. And they could not even get my eyes. And I'm just like, why am I like trying so hard to communicate with them when they can't hear me, right? Like we got to find other ways on how to like appreciate this. There's a lot of appreciating like this communication, right? Nonverbal and verbal, right? Yeah. And I'm just like, we had that, that component of had that verbal communication taken away from us. Right. Right. And then it made, it made that game a little more difficult to, to ref where it's going in. You think VIU was going to like be the dominant, they've been number one all year, but Okanagan came, came, decided like they came to play and they gave them a the game and they ended up beating them. Right. I, Which, yeah. I know um, as a part of an athletic department here at CAP, we have a lot of respect for Columbia Bible College for putting on a successful provincials yeah, and a yeah. great atmosphere out in Abbotsford there. They didn't, uh, they didn't even have a horse in the race, didn't have a team in the tournament, but uh, put on a, put yeah. on an excellent show and yeah, um, great atmosphere in that gym. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I want to thank them too. Like they really treated us well. They treated the athletes and spectators and like, with respect and yeah, it was really. Well, those are the things that the players in that game are going to remember years from now, right? You know, maybe one of the best atmospheres they've played in front of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wanted to uh, go back into your playing career a little bit as we begin to make the home stretch here on the podcast. Um, Looking back on your five seasons, 
at uh, at CapU playing for the Blues. Uh, who was the best player that you played with or against? Uh, <laughs> um, this will be three. Okay. Oh, played played with played with. I'm gonna give Mike Ashado. Mike Zayans, yeah. Mike Zayans, uh, James Lum. Okay. James Lum was a stud. And Andrew Morris. Andrew Morris, I think, went on to play at UAB after Cap. Mm-hmm. And I still run, and he's still a very good friend of mine. And again, through basketball our fifth season, like all, all my most of my friends are through basketball or now through officiating, right? Like I obviously have some some friends from high school that we still keep in touch though, but it's it's just, it's been like, you know, if you've gone through such hardships with someone by your side, like I remember my fifth year, me and me and uh, Andrew would just go head to head at each other in practice. Like, like it was, yeah. I had a chip on my shoulder. He was a young, I think first year, second year player. He also wasn't going back down, right? So it was kind of like two heads butting heads to a point where like elbows were being thrown. Sometimes we like had to get like, separated told to like leave practice but after that like we would sit down and laugh and like have a bottle of wine at the end of the night and just like just like laugh it off right just like, competitors yeah. yeah just competitors like i don't want that down like i don't want to get attention and this young guy coming to the gym just like who's this old guy like i'm gonna come let this old guy walk all over me right so yeah no those names you mentioned all names that i had written down on my list for uh guys that had uh, pretty high achievers for your time yeah. at uh, at Cap, James Lum, Andrew Morris, going, Mike Zayas. Yeah, yeah. But going back to your question, competing against um, two VIU players, I think mean, Jacob Tom and Andrew Caban. Okay. Uh, yeah, and then I think from UNBC when UNBC still was in the league, uh, Indabir Gill comes to mind. Right. Yeah, yeah, and he was a player of the year at least one year. Yeah, very high score. Yeah, very high there. score. I, I just, he just, he was a bucket getter. He just could get the ball in the hoop. Yeah, and it was those he, years, uh, UNBC was in the league, and um, UBC Okanagan Quest. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, lost it was a some competitive those... league. Like in my first year, we had, I think it was an eighteen, eight or nine team league. Yeah, right, and it was, it was very unheard of for someone to stay five years in this league. It was a very like two maybe three which was my original goal like my original goal was to play two or three years and move on to U sports or cis at that time right mm-hmm. and somehow i just i don't know life just took the course that i took and just i ended up staying a little bit more longer than i anticipated but that's okay right like there's no yeah. regrets for that but. yeah um just a few more things before we let you get on with your uh with your day here um would just be uh, I want to give you the floor for a minute to talk about officiating and, and make your pitch to anyone out there that's uh, that's that's thinking about it. All right. Um, you know, when people ask me what you like most about officiating, I always take it back to it reminds me of being a player, right? All those times you spend in the gym by yourself, pulling up shots, pulling up reps, and then going and then connecting with your teammates and then you go play right mm-hmm. it's the same thing that goes on with the fishing right a lot of this stuff that you don't know like we do at home by ourselves like you're watching the game tape watching yourself like run your mechanics your posture your positioning you watch 
plays that happen to see if you got it correct or wrong. And, and if you did get it wrong, be like, okay, why did, why did I get it wrong? Where am I standing? What was I looking at? Right? You practice your signals in the mirror, and then you connect with your teammates, being your other officials, and you go out and referee the game, right? Like, like to me, that's what's the biggest part of it. But just I did a little bit of coaching. Obviously, I'm not. I haven't. I can't say I was ever a coach. Like I did some AAU. Like I did still. Like I really loved skills training and teaching, but to run a to run a team in itself and deal with like twelve different personalities, like I'm not capable of doing that. Right? Like Play I, your strengths. Yeah. Right? Play to your strengths. And to my strengths is like I can control what I can control. I can work with a group of people because I played a team sport my whole life, right? Work alongside people that have the same common goal of calling a fair game. You never know be perfect, but you call a fair game, be fair to both sides and grow the game from this part, right? Because a lot, I feel like a lot of players or ex-players, they, they, they just think that it's after they're done playing, their only option is to coach, right? right? And not everyone is capable of coaching, if that made sense. Just like, just saying like not everyone the referee is not easy. Did not everyone? This is not for everyone. Coaches are not, not for everyone, right? Well, at least you have this option of knowing that refereeing is an option for you, if you don't want to work coaching or like going down that route. Like you have this other part of the game where you still can feel like you're an athlete of the game. You still have to, you still have to run right up and down the court, right? You still have to go to the gym and work out to keep up with these kids. Just like I keep getting older. But these, but these athletes and these youth, they, they always stay the same age, right? So you got to do the more work in the gym to be able to keep up with them. Like, you know, go up to do a, a university men's game. Like these, these kids, athletes, student athletes are in the prime conditioning of their life, right? They're practicing five days a week, right, with, with sessions in the gym. And then I'm like, how, I, how am I supposed to keep up with these guys, right? So, so yeah, that's, that's for me – it is like I just want. I know Denise always do. Like you need to speak out more for issue. You guys, you gotta be more of like a leader. Which again, coming full circle, I've got heard this stuff. She's like, you gotta show that there's another. Like, just people relate to you because you played right post secondary. I didn't, I didn't get to where I wanted to, but regardless, like played post secondary, played five years. Like you, you come from a playing background, so you you should be able to show. Hey, sorry, 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 sorry. hey never, it's, it's always okay for a dog to make an appearance on the podcast. Will not, he will not be the first. <laughs> yeah, so so coming back to that, she's saying, come here, come here, come here, buddy. She's saying like, yeah, like you're relatable. Like this, I've had kids come up to me during the game, being like, hey, ref, you played before? Ref, can you dunk? I was like, <laughs> I used to be able to do all that stuff, <laughs> not anymore, right? Yeah. Yeah, so like, yeah, I don't know. She she keeps pushing me to be like, you know, you should put yourself out there. Oh, I'm so sorry. No problem. You can edit this, right? For sure, <laughs> no problem at all. Come up here, buddy. Your yeah. Who is that, um, by the way? That's uh, Fillmore. Fillmore, ten year old lab. Awesome. I think she's a puppy. <laughs> a guard, fake guard dog at home. Fake tough nice. guy. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, Love so, it. No, I, yeah, so don't coming back to what we're saying. Yeah, I think the next stage in my development as an official is to be more of a, a mentor, 
if that made made some sense, maybe try to connect more with the with players that have played and maybe show them that hey, like this is we we need referees for the game. Right? This is something that you could be potentially good at, something to fall in love with. Like just give it a try, right? Mm-hmm. So I think yeah, just like I said, like it just really reminds me of being a player and going through all that hardship, uh, all those hours in the dark, and then coming out to light and just performing, right? Like I just I feel the most comfortable personally when I'm on the court. Like, I've I've been in a very some very tough situations in the game. I I've been in spots in the game where I was like, I need a sub, but I can't get a sub, right? Like I've been on a stretch where I was like, I'm on a very bad stretch right now. Like I just made some bad calls, missed something. I'm just like, I need a sub, but like you need to really talk, like coming back to the psychology issue, like self-talk your way out of that. And like, this is next play mentality, right? This is a player, right? This next play. Like you missed a shot, that's fine. You got to move on, right? Next play. So I think that the biggest thing for me at fishing is, yeah, it just still resonates as the playing days and also being involved in the game and growing the game from this side of the fence, right? Yeah, no, great stories. I love the uh, the storytelling on our podcast today here and uh, some great reflections. I love all the names you brought up too and uh, some of the former players and some of the influences. So I've really appreciated the time. But a couple of things before we let you go. Uh, tend to throw this at everybody at the end of the end of the show, and I'll tailor it a little bit for you. It's uh, it's a two-parter, so all sort of television related. What is your uh, what is your binge-worthy recommendation for a show? Maybe you and Denise have been crushing lately, or something that you like. And then also, what's your prediction for the NBA playoffs? Oh, oh. All right, I'll start with the NBA playoffs. Um. I would love to see Phoenix get back to the playoff. I mean, not the playoffs, uh, the finals. Um, I think Miami is doing some good things right now, but I ultimately think it's going to be, I think the Bucks are going to go repeat champions again. I just think that the Raptors figured out a way back in, what was it, 2019 to slow Giannis down. But I think he just has gone so much better since then that I think it's, it's such just such a tough force. And how you guard a dude that's like six eleven playing like a guard, right? Going downhill with that 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 type of mass, that type of athleticism, and he has the right pieces around him. So I think the Bucks are going to win. You heard it here first. Yeah, I think it's going to be a because re- they won last year, right? Like I'm sorry, I'm just so out of the loop. Yep. They won, yeah, right. They won, won last year, and then, yeah, I think that's. I think the Bucks are going to win. Maybe that's your binge they show as NBA playoffs. I don't know if there's any TV that you uh, that you like. We watch a lot of TV. Well, not a lot, but we have a lot of shows on Netflix. I just I'm trying to think which one is the most recent one that we watch. I think we've we rewatched The Office. I think it was like last year. It was a yeah. great show. It was, I mean, in that today's forecast, I don't think that show would fly. Okay. But yeah, it's it's been, yeah, I would say the office. The office has been some really, really funny moments. Steve Carell with, with doing what he did in that show was just, 
I mean, it just might just go out. It just, I, you can't have this. There's just so many good moments in that show. So I think we'll just go with The Office. This is the one hey, we rewatched recently. That's a classic. Yep. Half yeah. hour episodes. You can get through a bunch. Yeah. And that's the, that's the problem with Netflix. Like you sit there and like, I can't watch TV regularly now, like week by week. Like I have to watch it all straight through or like <laughs> three or four episodes. Just, that's what the Netflix effect is, right? Like who yeah. wants to wait the next week where you can just get it now, boom, boom, boom. And then, okay, that's enough for now and then move on. Right. It has changed things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hey, no, I appreciate uh, you sharing that. That is a classic for sure. And I uh, really loved your reflections on on your uh, on your beginnings in the game and through high school, getting going at CAP and all the people you played for and, and played with. Uh, some great stories. And thanks again as well for talking so much about your passion for officiating. A uh, great path forward to keep people in the game after they're finished playing. And so, um, yeah, best of luck in the future with the officiating. I know we'll see you uh, at cap you work in a game probably in the fall if not before then so thanks so much for joining us and uh, all the best perfect thank you for having me appreciate it okay there it is episode nine in the books a great discussion with luke Guerra, the blues all-time leading rebounder hope you enjoyed this one thanks for listening and before you go don't forget to rate us on apple podcasts and on spotify And for all the latest blues, notes, and news, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Capiletto Blues. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.